Hi, everyone, and welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals you have in your life and what next steps do you need to take to get there. I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 22. I'm so glad you tuned in because you are going to love our guest. She is Whitney Goodman. Whitney is the radically honest psychotherapist behind the popular Instagram account at sitwithwit. And she's also the owner of the Collaborative Counseling Center, which is a private therapy practice in Miami. Now, there she helps individuals and couples heal past wounds and then create the life they've always wanted. Her work, my goodness, it has been featured in dozens of publications and programs, including the New York Times, Teen Vogue, New York Magazine, InStyle, and Good Morning America. And she's also the author of the blockbuster book, Toxic Positivity, Keeping It Real in a World Obsessed with Being Happy. I've read this book not once, but I've read it twice. So if you're looking for a great summer read, I can't recommend it enough. Whitney and I have been trying to connect, and we finally did. So I can't wait for you to hear this interview. And uh, as we begin, I'd like for you to think about in your own life, where are you being positive? And of course you are, right? We all are positive. But now we're talking about toxic positivity. And we're going to talk about the signs that your positivity, <laughs> our positivity, is definitely well-intentioned, but in some in some cases, could it have turned toxic and also dismissive, not only in our personal lives, our relationships, but also at work as well. And now, everyone, without waiting any longer, this is episode 22, and Whitney Goodman is here. Whitney, welcome to the show. It is so great having you here. Hi, thank you for having me. So, Whitney, you heard my introduction of you, and you've done a lot, uh, but let's go back a bit before we dive into current state. Tell us a little bit about your path and how did you get to where you are right now? So I went into graduate school to become a therapist straight out of college. So this has really been my career uh, from the start. And I started my journey working mainly with people who had cancer and their caregivers. I did some addiction work and now I mainly focus on working with family issues and relationships. And through all of that work and, and during it, I decided to get on social media to promote my practice. And I never would have imagined that it would get to the point that it is now. But that's really how these conversations about toxic positivity started was through my Instagram and the themes I was noticing there and the conversations I was having with people online. All right. So your, your Instagram is at sitwithwit. And yes. again, at sit with wit. I know many of you follow it. It's, it has a huge social media following. Uh, so tell us, how did it all begin? Um, and and where, where did you, you strike the nerve, uh, both good and maybe a little bit uh, controversial? How did it all start? Yeah, in 2018, I put up this post that was a chart and it was like toxic positivity on one side and um, validation and hope on the other. And I listed these phrases that I identified as being toxic positivity. And it definitely was quite a polarizing post. I mean, I think that phrasing, like the word toxic is of course, like a buzzword now that some people hate, some people love. And that's really why I used it because it was very tongue in cheek, I think, to talk about positivity in that way. Yeah, for sure. And uh, by the way, uh, I noticed on your Instagram, you do a great job with your reels, right? And oh, thank you. Uh, I tell you, just a lot of value add, a lot of great content there. So if you are not, if you're one of the few that have not yet followed Whitney on Instagram, please do that at sit with wit. All right, Whitney, your book, Toxic Positivity, uh, we probably should define what that phrase means. 
And, you know, your book is filled with latest research, a lot of great real-life examples. But let's talk about the definition of it and how, how it can be so damaging to ourselves and to our relationships. And how do we overcome it? Let's start there. Toxic positivity is really the unrelenting pressure to be happy and positive and seeking happiness at all times, no matter what the circumstances are. And so this is something we can use against ourselves and against other people. So how do we know it? I mean, how do we know when our positivity is, boy, I tell you what, I may, maybe, yeah, I, I don't mean anything by it, Whitney. I mean, I, I intend to be positive with people, but how do we know when it's, when it has just all of a sudden taken that turn and it's become mm-hmm. come toxic? Give, give me a little coaching, give us a little coaching. Toxic positivity and being like a positive person or being optimistic are two very different things. So mm. at the core of toxic positivity is really that it's dismissive. It shuts down the conversation. It tells someone that what they're feeling is wrong or that they shouldn't be feeling. And it ultimately tries to give a very simple solution to a very complicated problem. You know, um, here's what happened to me last night. I was talking to my daughter on the phone and she was bringing up a a situation. It was a family situation she was working through. And (laughs) I I think I went toxic on her, Whitney. I did. (laughs) I, I, I don't recall exactly what I said. I listened for a while, but then I think I said... Something like this will get better, right? Mm. <laughs> I thought I was being helpful, but uh, was I? Was I not? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> so you know, it all depends on where the person is at in their process, and I think a lot of the time for us on the outside, especially as parents with perspective, you're able to see like this is going to get better. This isn't going to last forever. Like maybe you really see that, but for that person it doesn't feel that way. And so it sounds like you're shutting them down or, or dismissing their reality and how they're feeling. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly what I did. And actually, um, after I got done with the phone call, I went, I went and I, uh, went, uh, cause I was preparing for our interview and I went to go through the book one last time <laughs> and I texted her back and I said, um, I am so sorry. I did not. And by the way, I say this with a little bit of trepidation because I still may have screwed it up. Whitney. <laughs> I said, Tell me I what said, you did. No, I said, Hey, uh, I said, I am, uh, I apologize for um, how I shut down the conversation earlier. I feel like I didn't validate your emotions and I feel like it was really dismissive. Um, was, was that okay? Yeah. I think that was really nice. And you were able to like reflect on what you did and kind of say, I'm trying to be better, which I think is like the best thing you can do ever in a relationship. Okay. Because I will tell you, I was really, really, um, anyway, I, so I, I think we're okay here. I think we're all right. Um, <laughs> many people listening, right? Well, look, we're all in relationships. You know, at the end of the day, that's what this is all about is having great relationships. How do we create this, this healthy positivity as opposed to toxic positivity? That's probably a better question. How do we do it? When we're thinking about like healthy positivity and bringing positivity in our lives, I think it's really important to focus on radical acceptance for what is and really looking at this is my reality. This is how I feel. Um, This is what's important to me. And also leaving room for hope and optimism of like, but I believe that things can get better or that I can do something to make this easier for myself. Um, I can do something to make sure that 
the future is better and really holding space for both of those things, because usually both are true at the same time. Mm. Yeah. So a quick follow-up on that then. Um, In in your book, you do speak about how we can walk right into this um, shaming a bit. And I mean, how, how do we then with just inadvertently start shaming others or maybe shaming ourselves with the way we are thinking uh, about positivity? That's one of the biggest areas that I saw toxic positivity in my own office was people saying, I know I should be grateful, but I know I should be more positive, but um, I need to look on the bright side. And they were always like using positivity, gratitude, um, happiness as a way to shame themselves for feeling how they're feeling. And so I think there's so much power and actually a lot more positivity in saying, you know what, I'm a human being. I have difficult feelings sometimes. They will pass and they might come again later. They might not, but like I'm able to move in and out of all these different feelings and accept them for what they are. Yeah. The point that I've heard you talk about as well, Whitney, is with all this focus on the power of positive thinking in your, your book, your subtitle, and we're all obsessed with being happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet, boy, it seems to me that we might be a pretty unhappy society right now. And uh, reconcile that for me. Um, what is going on? So that's where I really wanted to kind of come in with this topic and this book is that like what we're doing isn't working. <laughs> We're, we're so focused on positivity and happiness and being positive and we're just getting more and more miserable. And we can see that through a lot of the data that we have about happiness. And so maybe we need to take a step back and say, maybe all this denial and suppression isn't actually bringing me closer to happiness. Maybe it's making me feel worse. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, where do you see it coming up in the workplace? And let me be more specific. I work. Uh, I worked in corporate America my whole life. I'll give you the the mantra. Ready? It's time to collaborate. Uh. It is time to have teamwork. It is time for consensus. But probably the word collaborate is probably the one I've been hearing a lot. And all right, so right there, how does toxic positivity intersect with this whole notion of collaboration? Yeah, I I bring up a concept in the book called groupthink, which is really like consensus at all costs, right? And I think a lot of the time that's what's being promoted in the workplace is like, we just want everyone on the same page and to think the same and to agree. And that's actually been found to be really negative in the workplace. It has bad outcomes because there's no creativity, there's no innovation, no problem solving. And so people actually should be encouraged to talk about problems in the workplace. And I I like to, you know, add the disclaimer that like, we're not saying sit around and complain about like the lights and the temperature and the coffee, but to actually be talking about things that are really problems and that are going wrong can be helpful. What would be the best way to do that? So when there are um, deliberate, like, points in the day, in the month, in the week where employees can talk about what has been difficult for them, whether that's in a group setting, one-on-one, it tends to lessen the amount of just one-off complaining and frustration because you know, I have this place where I'm going to go, this person's going to listen to me. And I know that there's going to be hopefully some type of action. 
I think also learning how to phrase your complaints in a way that is very targeted is helpful. You know, here's the problem. This is what I'm dealing with. Going to the right person to help you with yeah. that um, is important because there are some things in the workplace that you might have to decide. I just can't work in these types of conditions. This isn't what I'm looking for and, and make an adjustment yourself. I, th- I think you bring something up really, um, really important though for leaders is that yeah, you do have to pick your battles. There are some times when you have real um, you know, value conflicts, uh, ethical issues, where you do have to stand up and say, I cannot support this. I just mm-hmm. can't, right? But so often, uh, leaders, uh, we do not. It's so it, to, to conform and to get along is really, uh, the social pressure to do that is really powerful, really strong. It is, it is. And I think that's where toxic positivity can come up right? Is leaders saying like, just be grateful you have a job. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine in those situations where there is a real concern or issue. Yeah. You know, you gave a couple examples there of, of the language there that is toxic positivity. What, what are some other examples as we are, are in relationships? Uh, what are some of those, those catchphrases that we all use? In fact, I may have been using a couple with you here. This podcast. <laughs> what, what are some of these catch, catchphrases that we're just oblivious to, but we're using every single day. Yeah, they're very ingrained in our language. So some top offenders are like, everything happens for a reason. Um, Just be happy. It's not X, just be grateful for whatever. It could always be worse. Um, Don't cry, just be happy. All those. Thinking about my uh, my wife, Michelle, Uh, by the way, today's our 33rd anniversary today. Wow. Right? Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, but about three years ago, she had a real big health scare and she was in the hospital for about a month. She had a stroke and she uh, had to, you know, um, a brain aneurysm and she had to learn how to walk again and talk wow. and it, the whole deal. Right. And everyone was really, really well-intentioned. Um, but what, some of the phrases that I heard is, is, is that, well, you know what? She's still here, mm-hmm. you know? Or um, she she's strong and and look look how good or she even you know look how good she looks right mm-hmm. and some of those things and so in the area of that it's a relationship but it's also probably more that healthcare setting um, yeah. that's something we also either are living through or we're we're probably walking into toxic positivity your thoughts on that. Yes. You know, when you said those phrases back to me that you were hearing when that happened to your wife, I think the first thing I feel is like, oh, now I'm not allowed to talk about this anymore. When someone says something like that, like at least she's okay, or she's still here. It's like, yes, I can be grateful for that. But we're also going through this major thing that's so hard, you know, and I don't think you can get into this comparison of like, what could be more difficult? Yeah. I remember talking to a, uh, a pastor friend of mine and who went through something similar with his wife and I called him and he, <laughs> he was great. Uh, all he did was he said, um, I'm here and I understand what you're going through. Right? That's amazing. Yep. He knew. He knew. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder sometimes if, if Whitney, we just need to pause and just, and, and when we, we want, we're well-intentioned, but it feels like maybe we just, acknowledge and validate the feelings and let people know that we're here with them. Am I close? You are exactly there. I think that's at the crux of all of this. And we really overcomplicate it so much by trying to say these, 
you know, really amazing things that just that simple, I'm here. I get that this is hard and I'm not going anywhere is so powerful. Like you still remember that. I do. I do. I still have, and I have the text message that he sent me as a follow-up to that phone call. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah, no, you, you, you hit it. You hit it uh, right on. It means it meant the world to me. So Whitney, this is really thought provoking and and really rattling a lot of cages here. Uh, Your book, Toxic Positivity, the subtitle is keeping it real in a world obsessed with being happy. Well, um, I'm obsessed with being happy. I think a lot of our listeners are as well. And so the question I think everyone's wondering is, so how do we then find true happiness in what we're doing? What we know about happiness is that it's not a state that is experienced constantly, right? And I think we've all been sold this idea that we're always one step away from this feeling of being happy. And once people surrender to that idea and realize like, I am going to experience moments of happiness, joy, peace, fulfillment in my life, and it's not going to be a constant state, it gets a lot easier. And that's when I like to focus on like, how can I live a fulfilling life? How can I live a meaningful life, which might not always make me happy, but it will be important to me. Well, that's a good distinction. That's a really good distinction. You know, Whitney, I talk to a lot of people and coach individuals um, as they think about their next steps in their career. And I noticed that some have this, this, um, boy, this false belief that at work, every moment of every day needs to be bliss, <laughs> needs to be happiness. And I, I think that's wrong, right? There are, you don't need to be happy every single day. In other words, if you find your calling and your passion, um, that's wonderful. That's what we should be doing. But that doesn't necessarily translate into being happy every single day, nor should it be that expectation. At least that's my view. And, and that gets back into then values. I remember early in my career, I, was, I felt stuck. I felt, didn't feel aligned with where the company was going. And a mentor of mine um, took me through this exercise and he said, hey, do this, do me a favor, write down your top 10 values. And it was such a great exercise because it helped me uncover and discover what are my values, what's important to me. And I'm wondering in your work with toxic positivity and pursuing happiness, where do values fit in for you? I love values work. And I think values can become such a great um, roadmap for us in our life. And so many people feel that pain or that friction because they're not living in alignment with what's important to them. And oh, so I gen, you know, like even whether it's work, family, whatever, you hear people say, like, my family is the most important thing to me, but they're not doing anything to act out that value. So what I encourage people to do is really think about like, what does matter to you? What is most important, you know, at this stage in your life, when you look back on your life and then asking yourself, how am I going to live that value? How am I going to act that out? How will my behavior in my day-to-day life inform that value? And that's when you're able to get actual clarity and get really like granular on what that's going to look like. So I think everyone listening, and this, this is a real aha that we're getting here from Whitney, but it, it feels like we all can do a self-assessment on what our calendars look like, where we're spending our time and how that fits with what our values are. Whitney, yes? Yes, absolutely. And that, that's a good way to look at it. You know, looking at your calendar, creating even like a pie chart of like, this is what it looks like. And if you notice that physical fitness is so important to you and you're spending all your time at work or doing other things, 
you're, you're probably missing out on something that's so important to you and life's going to feel really draining. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now uh, uh, there may be some listening that are um, working a lot. Many of us are, especially with the uncertainty, Um, but we're doing it for our family. Whitney, right? We keep rationalizing that, that I'm working all these hours uh, because I want to provide for my family. And my family is my number one value. Any, any, uh, any coaching for those of us who are thinking that way that are putting in way too many hours? Um, how, how do we throttle back in a way that allows us to, to find that balance? Yeah, it's a tough one because of course everyone has bills and things they need to do and they have to support their family in that way. And so I think thinking about like, at what expense to myself am I taking care of my family? You know, if I'm going to have a heart attack, if I'm so stressed, like I'm not going to be able to be there for them. I can't like pour from that empty cup. So how can I really work on myself, put myself first in some situations while also taking care of my family? And I know that's a really difficult balance for a lot of people, especially right now in the world. It's not simple. Uh, Whitney, where should we best follow you and to stay in touch with you and the great projects and the things you're working on right now? What, what's the best way to do that? Thank you. You can find me on all social media at sit with wit. My website is sitwithwit.com, um, and you can find any, any of my courses, workbooks, et cetera, all through there. You know, you're clearly, clearly doing a lot with your life and, uh, you're very purpose-driven and, uh, what are, what are some of the projects or a project right now, Whitney, that you're working on that is just giving you so much excitement and passion? And it could be the book we've just been talking about, but is there something else you're working on right now that's just really, really uh, getting you excited? Yeah, I just launched a community on Substack that's called Good Enough. And that's where I'm really focusing on helping people live a good enough life where they don't have to be stellar in every area and are able to focus on what matters and, and what's important to them. You know, is, is there been a time in, in, as you've been in your professional career, when you just really needed that mentor, someone to help you kind of chart the path about what your next step is? And I'm wondering if we could learn from you on what was that situation and who helped you? What did you learn from that? A lot of people are in that same situation as well. Um, how, how would you answer that? When I was getting licensed as a therapist, I knew that I wanted to do something different with my career. I really wasn't happy working in like a clinic environment. So I went and sought out uh, mentorship from therapists who had started their own businesses, who were writing books, doing things differently. And I think that made such a difference in my career because they had a very like growth oriented off the beaten path mindset versus a lot of the other people I was around who really were just like working in a clinic and staying on that path, which is great. It just wasn't what was fulfilling. Whitney, thanks for sharing that story. Um, Everyone, did you hear that? (laughs) Here's what I heard. Uh, Whitney said that she was not happy in that role and she sought out mentorship. That is such a best practice. Um, I hope you wrote that down. Uh, Wherever you're at in your career, um, maybe you're perfectly happy or maybe you're thinking there's something else and something more. You are just a cup of coffee away from figuring this out when you seek out mentorship, just like Whitney did. Or I know for for another best practice is to have that personal board of directors, maybe three to five people that are outside of your company, outside of your industry, that you would trust with your life. These people are going to show up at your funeral. And these are the individuals you can put on a Zoom and you could share with them 
where you're at, and they can give you some real candid, authentic advice about what your next steps might be, just like Whitney did. So Whitney, thanks for sharing that. You know, Whitney, you've given us a lot to think about here. Uh, the book is called Toxic Positivity. Uh, you can follow her on Instagram at sitwithwit and also a lot of other ways that Whitney has mentioned. So Whitney, I just want to thank you for being part of the podcast. And it's been really a pleasure to meet you. And I'm, I'm looking at you there in sunny Florida and I'm jealous, but uh, it's been a real, real uh, pleasure having you on the show. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that was Whitney Goodman, everyone. Uh, she's known as the radically honest psychotherapist, and um, I'm not going to argue with that one bit. <laughs> Check that box. And uh, your next step, well, well, the first one should be follow her on Instagram, at sitwithwit. Uh, incredible follow, and her reels are so well done. And if you're looking for content, valuable content you can put into place in your life, at Sit With Wit is where you should start. Also, her book, Toxic Positivity, a fantastic summer read. Now that you've now listened to the episode, now share it with those in your life that you think would benefit from that. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at DarrenJohnson1, or you can follow this podcast on Instagram at IDareYouPod. Also, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Every week, we have these types of conversations with killer guests so I don't want you to miss a one. Hey, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, that was episode 22, and get ready for episode 23 next week. I can't wait for you to hear it, and I'll see you then.